Listening Dog Media. The Heel is Real podcast with Abby Eastwood and Debbie Mack. Welcome to the next episode of the Heel is Real podcast. I'm Abby Eastwood. And I'm Debbie Mack. Uh, before we start anything, Abby is drinking some tea at the moment. Yoga tea. I never yes. knew that was a thing until today. Uh, but on the back of the little piece of paper on top of the string, it has a little quote. And what does it say? It says, the world needs your unique gifts. Don't leave them still inside you. You see? Wowzers. It's like yoga tea knows. Quote of the day, quote of the day. So today's episode, uh, we're going to hear your story, aren't we, Debbie, uh, of your journey, your, well, your incredibly short journey with breast implant illness. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this the other day and I feel like I should have gone first because now I feel like your story was the Hollywood blockbuster and mine's the shit sequel with less drama. <laughs> <laughs> No, but your story is really important. Well, I feel like I was, in in a way, I feel like I was meant to go through it because I was supposed to do this. So I knew about it as I went into it. I didn't join the Facebook group that you set up, um, which is one thing I've always kicked myself about because if I'd have done that, which I did do a few months after I had them put in, it was too late then. But if I had joined it, I don't think I would have had them. Why don't you tell everyone and me again, um, why you had your implants um, put in in the first place. What made you want to have breast implants? Well, unlike you, I, I didn't want breast implants for years and years and years. The difference obviously being, obviously, you had your implants in your 20s. I had mine in my 40s, which is another aspect that makes our story so different. I don't think I started really thinking about it until a couple of years ago. I think in my head, breast implants were always quite big and I always thought I won't feel like me with them in. I'm just not meant to have them, so I'm not going to have them. And then something changed over over the past few years, really. All of my friends started, not all of my friends, uh, a lot of my friends started talking about it. Uh, a lot of people I knew had them. I work in media, darling, and there's a lot of silicon in my workplace. So I started talking to a lot of women that have them, women at work, my friends. Nobody had anything particularly bad to say about them. And then one of my friends who we'd been talking about it a lot, she started sending me um, pictures and videos of celebrities that had had mini boob jobs. So if you have, supposedly, if you have anything lower than 300 cc, it's a mini boob job. So she was sending me lots, she used to send me lots of pictures of tits. So I'd see her name flash up on my phone and there'd be lots of pictures of tits of these mini boob jobs. And then I I called her one day and I was back on it. I said, listen, I'm thinking about getting a boob job again. I saw some videos of me and I look like an ironing board and as you said in your story, Abby, over the years, there've been a few little comments that have stuck in my head. I'm going to do it. And she said, I've got something to tell you. I did it. I didn't tell you because I thought you talked me out of it. I just haven't seen you because of COVID. So at that point, I thought, I'm going to do it. And I saw her and I copped a feel like you do. And um, and they, they felt great. They looked great. 
And I thought, it's now or never. I spoke to my husband about it and he said, if you're just going to stop talking about it, just do it. Because he was sick of me going backwards and forwards with my decision. Um, And he said, you you might get to 50 and regret having never done it. Loads of your friends have done it. so, So why don't you book an appointment? So I did. That was when you booked the appointment was, what? when was that, the beginning of this year? Yeah, the beginning of this year. And I booked with the same surgeon that I'd cancelled on in 2020 because I'd done a lot of research. I knew that he was good. He had lots of uh, fantastic reviews. I now know that... <laughs> that you're kind of pounced on as soon as they're in for your review. There's no time to settle. But I'm not going to say that he 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 wasn't great because he was. Um, he gave me a fantastic rack, but I decided to go with him based on the reviews. And yeah, I booked him for a consultation with him. And of course, I did ask him about breast implant illness. So, okay, so you were aware of breast implant illness then, just to clarify that again, before you went in to have your consultation with him. I know. And in hindsight now, this makes me feel a little bit ridiculous um, because I did know about it before I went in. But like I say, I'd spoken to a lot of people that had them and they were seemingly, remind me about that later on because we'll go back to it, seemingly fine. I think I probably knew about 5% of what I know now. So I spoke to him and he said, yes, I have heard of it. I've never had to explant anyone because of it. I've had a couple of women that have come back to me saying that they had symptoms, but I never saw them again after that. So they didn't come back for an explant. He said there is a Facebook page um, and he kind of hinted. I can't remember his exact wording because I've got the world's worst memory, but he hinted at the fact that It was full of hysterical women, you know, and there's a huge list of symptoms and it could be attributed to anything. And it's very rare that you will have any complications. And this was backed up by... Okay, so that put your mind at rest. It kind of did. It was kind of backed up by his PA as well. I spoke to her a lot and I'd spoken to her a lot leading up to the 2020 op that I then cancelled. I do think that this year I found myself on the operating table very quickly because they didn't want me to back out again. I think they were sick of me. Just get her on, get the bloody things in her and then we could get rid of her. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was on I was on the table quite quickly after my first consultation. But because a good friend of mine had then had them done as well and she was absolutely fine, I thought this is the time to do it. And it felt like because I was on the table within a few weeks it felt like it fell into place and and it was meant to be because it fell into place because as you're as you're here I've already hinted at the fact that I feel like I went through this for a reason I am that kind of person <laughs> it was meant to mm. be and everything fell into place and it was fate so yeah I uh, I was on the operating table at the start of this year having them in so what month was that it was in January I'm going to be honest I was still obviously very apprehensive about it, despite the fact I'm not going to say that I was talked into it because I know that I've got some friends now that have got them who feel a bit bad uh, about the fact that they feel like they did talk me into it. They they didn't. I'm, I'm a grown woman. I made up my own mind about doing this, but 
I still felt apprehensive about it. I I had to get up very early in the morning on the Saturday morning and I cried all the way there in the car because I was scared. I'm not really a cryy person. I think actually, thinking about it, that was my first day of being a cryy person because uh, what followed (laughs) over the course of the next six months was a lot of crying for a not very cryy person. Um, but yeah, arrived at the hospital. I was the first down. Um, I love the fact they also got you as the first down before you could make a decision to do a runner. <laughs> Listen, she's paid a deposit. I paid it to get her by down. This point. Get these in. Yeah, yeah. So. so, so you've had the implants put in. The operation goes smoothly. You feel fine afterwards. When was it that you first noticed that things weren't quite right? Yeah, the recovery from the actual operation, absolutely fine. Obviously sore, but I, I was surprised at how quickly I recovered. I, I went back on the radio on the Monday. <laughs> so wow. yeah, recovery was was ridiculously quick. I healed really, really well. I just want to ask, did you have, uh, did you have them in front or behind the muscle? Uh, yes, very good. Uh, I had them behind the muscle. And also I should say as well, I didn't go with the type of implant that that surgeon usually put in. I went with the one that my friend had had. Uh, I know we're not saying actual implant names on this podcast for fear of getting sued. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I decided to go with the implant that my friend had had because she had supposedly done loads of research into them and they were the Rolls Royce of implants. They were the new ones on the market. So, And he'd agreed to it. And, And one issue that I had... With that, looking back on it, aside from the fact that he was very dismissive, really, about BII, um, is the fact that he didn't really question it. He just said, yeah, okay. I don't know whether we should have had more of a discussion and whether he should have said, why I don't actually usually use those ones. I use these ones and here's my reason behind it. He never gave me an explanation. I've since found out that the reason there's nothing online about my brand of implants is because they didn't submit research to the FDA when they were supposed to. So six weeks down the line, uh, I started getting a really weird dry mouth. And then I remember going to um, to my husband's uncle's funeral. And as we were driving there, I said, well, we just need to go and get some mints or something because my mouth, it just feels, it feels really weird. So we stopped off, we got some mints. Um, and then I was chewing gum and eating mints from for, for the next four months, it felt like at least. And I ended up going to the doctors about it. And the first time they just sent me away with some uh, Corsadol. Yeah. So I went back and I was quite disappointed when I picked it up from the pharmacy because I'd already been using that at home. <laughs> and they just prescribed me exactly the same thing. I went back to the doctors about it a couple more times after that and was sent back with gel um, she ended up giving me antibiotics because it got so bad that it did develop into oral thrush, which I've never had before in my life and was absolutely vile. And I actually had that for the whole time we were in Florida over Easter. Uh, oh and then gosh, my, that sounds dreadful. the doctor did say to me in the end, she said, well, I think you might be right because I had mentioned that I thought it may be my tits. She said, maybe you do need to have your implants out. And that was actually the last time that I went to the doctor. No, it's not. I went to the doctors another time as well uh, because the dry mouth uh, situation just continued. It got worse. My tongue, it was more more just my tongue that was really dry than my mouth. And obviously, given the fact that I talk into a microphone for a living doing radio shows and voiceovers, it was yeah. not ideal. 
So I spend no, not at all. A lot of money on pastels, gels, mouthwashes, sprays. At one point, my mouth was so dry when I was、um, on air. I'd have to spray my mouth three times with Aura Leave mouth spray before I could even talk on、God. the radio because it was it was drier、That's、than、insane. the Sahara Desert.、Um, it was rubbish. And then I found lumps in my boobs. This was it was well, it's just before Easter because it's just before we went away. I found some lumps in my boobs, so I went back to the surgeon and I said, "I'm worried about this." Also, my mouth has been really quite dry. Do you think that that could have anything to do with the implants? And he laughed and said, "No, just jump up on the table and let's take a look at these lumps." Then he said, "This is quite unusual, <laughs> which you do not want to hear."、Uh, he said, "Right, let's、no. get, let's get you in for a scan." Failing to mention at that point that the scan was going to cost me three hundred and sixty pounds, so I had obviously had a huge amount of worry about that. Had the scan, they said it was cysts, and I said, I've, "I've I've never really had cysty tits before. They were so small before that I could feel everything, and I knew what was going on in there." But no, they they said it was cysty tits. Well, they didn't say it was cysty tits. That's what I say.、Um, and the implants had pushed them forward. Um, so they were more prominent, I suppose, on the outer edge of the implant. So, so yeah. So that then I thought, am I stressed out? Is this what's going on? I think, to be honest with you, Abby, because I did know about breast implant illness, alarm bells were ringing from the moment I started getting a dry mouth. So, and as we've said before,、mm. this this is the advantage that I had over so many other people. A, I already knew about it, and B, it happened almost immediately. Weird things started to happen almost immediately. So. In my brain, although I was trying to convince myself, oh, it may just be stress. Maybe it is the menopause, which is what the PA to my surgeon kept saying. Sweetie, it's your menopause. You're of that age. A dry mouth is a menopause symptom.、Um, so, yeah, I, but, but I think I knew it was a BII from from very early on. So, so what were your other symptoms、um, apart from a dry mouth and then the cysts that appear over the six months? Well, I decided at this point that I'm going to start making notes、um, to to see because I thought, yeah, it could be stress. I had a, a situation at home where I'd got home from work one day, and the person that lives at the back of me had chopped down all of our trees that were not his. So that stressed me out. So I thought, it's just stress. My husband said it's just stress, or maybe it's your body getting used to the implants, which I thought that's a bit of a weird one. If my body has to make me feel Ill to get used to something that's in me, but okay, I'll go with it、um, because I think because I'd raised concerns about breast implant illness so much before I had it done, and then it was happening to me.、Mm. Even I didn't believe it. I thought, that, "Oh, come on now!" I was worried about. It's all in、happening. my head. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, or I'm manifesting, manifesting it. it. It's all like, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, exactly. It, this is clearly what's happening. I've manifested this. This is why it's happening. I need to get myself out of this headspace. But yes, the the symptoms that started, I started to、um, uh, write them down. She says, looking for them in her phone. Yes,、yeah, so the tinnitus that I had, and I've always had a little bit of tinnitus because I was a nineties raver and I've DJed in clubs and worked on the radio, so wear headphones a lot. But it was so bad. And I think we have said before that the tinnitus 
it felt like alarm bells were going off in your head saying, get these fucking things out of me. Yeah. I'm not all right in here. Yep. So it would literally, as soon as I woke up in the morning, beep, beep. Wow. Um, and also, I, I, although it didn't affect my sleep, as I know that it did with you, Abby, I never felt like I had a good night's sleep. I would wake up in the morning yeah. and I would feel nauseous straight away. It's like a wave of nausea came over me straight away. And I just thought, oh, I, I don't want to get out of bed. And that feeling started probably after Easter and it came along okay. in waves, but it just got worse, that feeling. Then I started writing down the symptoms. The brain fog came in, which was so bad. All sorts of different things happened. I nearly took my dog to work one day because she was in the back and I was supposed to take her to my mum's before I went to work, but I totally forgot that she was there. Um, I thought I'd forgotten to pay for my son's school trip and nearly had a nervous breakdown going, oh my God, he's going to miss out on it and it's all my fault. And I had done it. And just all sorts, like every single time I put things in the washing machine, I'd put the detergent ball in, then I'd put all of the washing in and then I'd think, did I put the detergent in? So I'd get all of the washing out. <laughs> oh yes, there it is. Every time. <laughs> um, so, and, and doing my job, I had to write down nearly everything that I had to say because I had to script everything and I've never had to do that because I couldn't remember where I was going yeah. with what I was talking about. Uh, I had a, I had an ongoing mild cough as well. It wasn't to uh, the point of, you know, coughing. I'd just be <coughs> like that every so often. I noticed clearing that your, I don't... Clearing your throat. Yeah, that I don't do anymore. My eyesight definitely deteriorated. My skin was so, so dry. My eyes were constantly bloodshot. I started to have lower back pain as well on the right side. Um, heart palpitations. I've actually missed that bit out. I'll go back to that in a minute. Sweating at night as well, which I know is a menopausal thing too. So I've got that to look forward to. Um, but I'd wake up in the morning and, and my... my PJs would be just wet, horrible, and hair loss, which is actually something that you mentioned to me when we first started talking. Mm. Did you lose your hair? And I said to you, no, but now looking back, yes, I was getting hair out of my hairbrush all the time and putting it in the bin. I didn't notice it falling out in the shower as much as you did, but I was definitely emptying my hairbrush more and my hair was like straw. I look at pictures of myself now. I've got a picture. I went out with a friend of mine and, um, and yeah, my hair looks like straw. That's the other thing as well. I hadn't been drinking alcohol for two years. Um, I decided that at the start of the pandemic, I was maybe drinking a little bit too much wine. Midday, wine o'clock. And I decided to stop and I felt great for those two years. And then obviously with the tits, I felt rubbish to the point where when I was in Florida at Easter, I felt that rubbish that I thought I may as well just start drinking again. And I did on that holiday. And I never even felt a hangover. Didn't even touch the sides because I felt so shit already. It's fascinating, isn't it? So let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Is that right? Thirteen, 13. symptoms in the space of... 
six months? Yeah, I think it's it's between 13 and 15, I think. I may have missed one out. The the panic attacks, though, because I know that you t- were talking about this in your story with panic attacks. I've never been that person to have a panic attack. But yeah. the first one happened for me. Well, to be honest, I think I had about one and a half. The first one being when I had jet lag when we got back from Florida and I just woke up in the night and my heart was just do, 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 do. and I woke my husband up and and I was saying I can't breathe I can't breathe I need to go to hospital and obviously when you're having a panic attack you panic and you make it even worse um and you don't realize calm- what it is initially do you no of course not and he he managed to calm me down he was he was brilliant actually but then I did have heart palpitations quite often uh, I remember driving to work probably about a month and a half before I actually had them out and I had to pull over because they just come out they just came out of nowhere and they they were quite bad uh, and I and I pulled over and I and I was crying cause I did a lot of crying and Coldplay's Fix You was on the radio and I remember thinking I'm gonna fix you because it was <laughs> it was an emotional roller coaster and as we've talked about already it's a very very lonely thing to go through plus I felt mm. like because I'd said to a few people about breast implant illness and my concerns um, I felt like. I was being a bit ridiculous with it. My husband says now I was very hard to live with when I was going through it, but he doesn't even know how much I cried because I was very aware that I was being a miserable bitch. Uh, And so I tried to pull it round in front of the boys and I pretended I was okay. And then when I was on my own, I'd lock myself in the bathroom and I'd just sob and sob because I felt so rubbish, especially in the in the two months leading up to Explant. It was actually when mm. I found Hannah from S Club 7's interview on This Morning and I watched that and I realised that her story was very similar to mine. She reacted very quickly after having them in. She did leave them in for a lot longer than I did and she was on This Morning talking about her symptoms and saying that it actually got to the point where she had to sleep downstairs because she didn't have the energy to make it upstairs. And I played the video mm. to my husband and I said... You need to watch that because that is happening to me and I know and I was crying as I was telling him and I said, I absolutely know that this is what's happening to me and if I leave them in, it's going to get worse and worse and I know you love them, but I'm sorry, <laughs> I think they're going to have to go um, because this they're just not good for me. My body doesn't like them. I mean, it's so interesting hearing your story because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that loneliness, even though you're surrounded by the ones that love you the most, they just don't get it because it's a hidden thing. There isn't anything, you know, you're not bleeding, you're not oozing anything out of your body. It's very hard to see what is what is actually going on inside you. And mm. I remember that with my husband, every time I would say things like, oh, I'm just so tired. You know, I could kind of see the eye roll that wasn't really happening, but it was there, the look <laughs> yeah. on his face. <laughs> said it all and you know in the end he would just switch off from me moaning about how ill I felt all the time and so it is an incredibly lonely process to go through. And also not many people knew that I had it done. There's still not many Mm. people that know that I had them um, because I didn't go that they do now. Big. Exactly. (laughs) Who would have thought that this would have been happening and I'd be making it so public but because I wasn't that much bigger 
Well, I was bigger, but I used to wear gel bras and, and padded bras and stuff. So so really to anybody who saw me wearing clothes, I wasn't that much bigger. And the friends that knew about it were the friends that had them. And I didn't want to freak them out too much by telling them what was going on with me. And I wasn't seeing a lot of them because, um, because you know, busy lives and a lot of my friends that have them don't mm. necessarily live really close to me. But I, I looked like a crack addict within the, the last two months of having them. I looked so ill and I used to kind of hide away. I'd wake up in the morning and think, right, I just need to get to four o'clock this afternoon and then I can just chill out. And there were many, many times that I'd just get home and I'd go to bed and I didn't really do anything at the weekends apart from sit on the sofa because I didn't have the energy to do anything. Uh, and when I decided that they needed to come out, that was kind of when I decided that this podcast was happening happening as well, to be honest, because I was so full of emotion. I was so angry. I was mostly angry at myself for doing it when my gut said, don't do it. Um, but I was mm. angry at the dismissive surgeon and his PA uh, that, that just did not believe me when I said that I had symptoms because it's so rare and you do too much research, sweetie. Step away from the internet. Um, I, and I just felt angry. So at- what happened then at that point? So you've decided that it's definitely BII mm. and you have gone back to your original surgeon who you had discussed it with in the first place. What was his reaction? Well, I didn't actually get to speak to him. I got to speak to his PA. And I could tell, even over email, that there was eye rolling going on. (laughs) As I said, Mm. (laughs) I need to have them out. I need to know how much it's going to cost me and when you're going to be able to do it because I'm really quite poorly and I need to have these out ASAP. Now, Abby, I think in the back of my mind, I always knew I wasn't going to go back to him. But by this point, I knew I was doing the podcast and I thought I want to see what he's going to say for the sake of the podcast. So I'd emailed the PA, but I'd also from the Facebook group, which I was on by this point, I'd got a list of recommended surgeons, one of which was the lovely Jed Byrne, who we're going to be speaking to on a future episode. Um, And I booked in my consultations. I went to see Jed and I loved him and I didn't bother going to see anybody else. I was going to go back and see my original surgeon, but I was so poorly that I just wasn't up for the fight. I I literally couldn't face it. And the PA had already said to me, there's a five month waiting list. And I thought, well, that's very interesting, isn't it? I was on the table within weeks to have them in, but now I've got issues. So is that the reason that he's never explanted before? Because he suddenly hasn't got space for these women to come in and he wants to have the ability to say to future patients, I've never explanted and he's not lying. So, And also because he wasn't necessarily a believer in BII, I was worried that he wouldn't take the capsule. And as we will be discussing more, a lot of people believe that the whole capsule needs to come out in order to make a full recovery. So did you have um, the capsule removed when you removed your implants? Because obviously I would imagine at that point your capsule hadn't really formed too much, must have been incredibly thin. This is the problem, yeah. And this was my concern. I spoke to a couple of surgeons as I was booking consultations and I'd I'd said to them, they've only been in for, probably was about five months at this point. And a couple of them said, it's too soon to take them out. 
you have to wait until your capsules formed properly. And another one of the surgeons said that my particular make of an implant has a reputation for, I'm not sure how this, how he knew this actually, because I think they were very new on the market, but apparently they, they are very slow to form a capsule and they remain thin for a couple of years. At this point, some of the consultations, I couldn't get even get in with them until three months later. And at this point, I, w- I was just so poorly that I thought, I can't wait anymore for these surgeons mm. to go for a consultation. And I can't wait for the capsule to become thicker or whatever it is it has to do. I booked in with Jed and I ended up moving the um, operation to two weeks uh, it was booked in for the 13th of August and I ended up moving it to the 30th of July because by this point I deteriorated so much that I just needed to have them out. I I just couldn't deal with it anymore and I was getting quite depressed with it and I just couldn't cope with it anymore and this is why I did channel a lot of that emotion into starting to research this podcast because I decided we were doing, or I was doing it because I hadn't found you by then. I found you with within the research <laughs> um, because otherwise I would have got depressed. I needed to do something with all of this that was in my head. Um, so I started planning the podcast. So yeah, the 30th of July is when I actually went in to see the lovely Jed Byrne. It's really interesting, actually, that when you make the association with your implants and all your illnesses it's just that automatic I want them out I want to get them out because I don't want to feel like this anymore and Mm. I do think the stress of wanting them out for women does then add to um or heighten the how you feel Mm. and make you feel so much worse it's as if you then you're looking at everything within your body at that moment and it doesn't doesn't matter whether you have a little pain in your finger to feeling like you can barely get yourself up from the floor it's all relevant at that point and the anxiety goes through the roof Um, and it isn't until you remove them that you do just start to relax within yourself and feel that okay now now I can just sort of see if I am going to heal from it because you still have this thing in your head what if it wasn't that what if they remove them and I still have all these feelings and it's something else? Oh, I completely agree. The anxiety was uh, was through the roof. And it's funny you should say that about the just your finger hurting because what started happening two weeks prior to explant was my, my fingers started going numb. And I know that that could be the start of RA, which I know that you've obviously had experience of. So that started to freak me out even more. So... Um, well, on the day that I went in for the surgery, on the 30th of July, I was practically skipping and jumping to that hospital. It was completely <laughs> different to, to how I was when I went in. I had all the banter going on with the uh, nurses. I got some interesting stories, actually, from some of the nurses in the hospital on the morning. Uh, one of them said that... Um, Well, she said that she had wanted implants up until starting to work at the hospital, but she's seen so many explant um, patients that she's completely gone off the idea now. And she told me the story of a girl who had implants and for the whole time that they were in, which I think was four years, I think she said four years, um, she didn't have a period. And then literally on the day that she had them taken out, she got her period 
Madness. Which I think just comes to show how much they can potentially yeah. play havoc with your body. So as I was saying that you have this thing of this worry that the symptoms aren't going to go away and that there's this panic that actually it's nothing to do with your implants. There's still that kind of little devil on your shoulder saying that. For you, once the implants were out, how quickly did your symptoms start to dissipate? I think the having them out was a very different experience to to having them put in and i think the reason for that is because i was so poorly when i had them out so so the recovery time was longer i had to take a week off work um in order to recover from it straight after the operation the following morning cuz i stayed in overnight i didn't stay in overnight when i had them in I noticed the first thing I noticed was my skin wasn't as dry for for the 3 months before that I'd been putting on moisturiser about six times a day. I'd put it on as soon as I'd wake up and then I'd put it on after I'd have my shower. I'd get home from work, put on moisturiser and it would all just go and suck into my skin and it would still be really, really dry. So that is the first thing that I noticed, the oil coming back into my skin. Uh, it took a while for me to come round from, from the surgery the second time, but I would say within... It, it was a gradual process over that week. The the fog lifted. I could just concentrate more. My energy started to come back. A week after I'd had the operation, a friend of mine who was thinking about, and he's still thinking about having it done, she, she texted me and she said, do you regret having them out? And I found it hilarious to actually read that. I thought, mate, if you could see me, you'd realise how ridiculous that question was. Oh my goodness, if there is one regret that I will not have in my life, it's having those bloody things taken out of me. Um, because I just feel, I was bouncing off the walls. I just kept describing it. I think I got quite irritating to some people because I'd keep saying, my mind is blown. This whole thing has blown my mind. Because <laughs> um, I just felt so good a week afterwards. I just felt like myself again. I realised that I'd been in mm. a bubble of shitness that I'd just adjusted to over time. <laughs> and coming out of that and just feeling like myself again it was just so amazing oh my goodness and and things did stay i i would say even up until last week i've had a little bit of a dry tongue and now at the point of recording this we're exactly 2 months post explant uh the tinnitus still comes and goes I feel like we talk about BII coming in waves and when you're in the thick of it, those waves are crashing over you and they're massive waves and then you explant and and they just calm down. The waves just calm down and get smaller and smaller. That's how my recovery has felt. That's a really good analogy, actually. I like oh, that. Thanks, Abby. It is. That's so true. And then, and then at the end of it, it does. It just peters off. So two months, no regrets. Definitely the boobs. That's what you're saying. Oh, and I think I always knew. I always knew it was the boobs because everything that was happening to me was just too weird. And like I say, for the two years leading up to having the surgery, nearly two years, I hadn't been drinking and I'd felt great. I hadn't been ill. I, I, I was really good. My energy levels were really good. And to suddenly have mm. so much go wrong at once, it would have been too much of a... It would have been too much of a coincidence to 
have suddenly started the menopause straight after having the boobs in. That was the only little part of doubt in my mind. Is this the menopause? If this is the menopause, this is shit. I'm not sure I can go through this. And I appreciate the menopause is really shit. Um, But yeah, I, I, I knew it was the boobs. This is why we're doing this, isn't it? Is to make sure that any other women out there will hear these stories, hear the reasonings behind it, so that if they are going through it, that they they put two and two together and hopefully come up with four and hopefully get themselves better. Yeah, we're not doing this to, to scare people. We're doing this to share our stories, other people's stories, and to just raise awareness. That's what uh, needs yeah. to happen. And also, when I said my other friends were seemingly okay um, at ah, the start yes. of this episode. It, since speaking to them after experiencing what I experienced, I've got one that has them that I has problems with her gut. I've got another one that is suffering hair loss visibly. Another one who has intense brain fog is blaming it on long COVID. I'm just not so sure. She has heart palpitations as well. My brother's girlfriend who has them has said, oh yeah, my friend actually, I was talking to her about it and and she's actually taken hers out now because they made her poorly. And so when I'm having these conversations before they went in and everyone's saying, oh yeah, no, well, I'm absolutely fine. But now for some of them, they are starting to question things that are going wrong with them. Because if you've got breast implant illness, your boobs don't turn blue and fall off. That's not how it works. It is an invisible illness and it can be attributed to that other thing going on in your body that you didn't think was related to your boobs. Oh, well, Debbie, thank you for sharing your story with us all today. And I'm thank so you. glad you're so much better. You do look so amazing, honestly. Having seen you when I first met you, where you did look like a crack addict, and now you don't. So, <laughs> see, you didn't say that in. at the time, did you? <laughs> well, I'd never seen you before, had I? I only, <laughs> I only met you as the crack addict. <laughs> the Heal is Real podcast. Thank you for listening to my story. And don't forget, we want to hear your stories as well. You can get in touch with us via our Instagram page at The Heal is Real podcast. Don't forget to follow us on your podcast app and we'll see you soon.